What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver, and Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, with Para.com. I'm your host, SJ. Let's get it on. happening so this week we um are happy to have willie solace back on the on the podcast willie and i did a part one of the um ab5 2257 uh, these are california prop 22 uh summary in late march and uh we said we'd come back and readdress this later because we wanted to move more into the pro act part of it um you know, from listening to me or following UberLiftDrivers.com for years, you know that I am very pro-independent contractor. Um, Willie is very pro-proact. But we have a very good discussion, just like we did the first time, where I think if you listen, you can you can learn to hear both sides a little bit. Because we, um, I don't know, I think we, we groove on each other pretty good and, uh, and we're able to... Um, keep the discussion going to the point where whichever side you sit on, it, it, it's, it's a good listen. So hang in there with us. I'm going to bring Willie on and let's, uh, let's hear a little more about how this affects all of us and uh, our interpretations. So this week we have Willie Solace, the lead organizer for the Gig Worker Collective back on the, on the show. Uh, Willie was with us at the end of March to talk about the PRO Act and we went through a little bit of AB5 and uh, Prop 22 and how, you know, the, the ABC test has, has gotten into the PRO Act. And we talked about that a little bit. We didn't get to the right-to-work states. So there's a couple things that we just wanted to hit on now as, it, it, you know, we said we'd follow up. And the timing is um, things are, are moving around this. So, uh it's probably good timing. So, Willie, uh, thank you for coming back on. No, thank you for having me back. I really appreciate the space and the opportunity to talk about these issues. Yeah, absolutely. me too. So, um, especially because, you know, I don't know, the politicians and everybody are just, all of them are scaring me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> getting anything done seems really difficult these days. They all, you know, we got to find ways to work together, man. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's about communication, right? We've already kind of went over this a little bit, but it, having the ability to talk to each other is paramount in these type of situations and understanding that there's going to be different viewpoints, that everybody has a different reason for having those viewpoints and respecting them, you know, that's the most important thing. Um, being able to have these conversations in depth is only the only way we're going to arrive to a consensus and, and get final resolution on things. Yeah, I, I fully agree. And that's, yeah, and if you go, if, if, if you want to go back and listen to the first one that we talked, Willie and I had the conversation. If you had, hadn't heard it, it's episode 49. Um, it's, again, from end of March. You just have to go back a little bit. 
but we can do a quick little recap too. So um, I think we spent a lot of the time last time kind of, even though this was a pro act conversation, we spent a lot of the time going through um, how we got to the pro act. And that was, I think very important because with, you know, without we've had the, we've had a push for, for there to be change um, in the, in, in the labor for years and you know in, in the year in uh in the years past it just hasn't been so so close and i think that without i think ab5 ab2257 really helped kick proact up a level cuz like the year before i mean it was struggling in the house and it wasn't even going to make it you know it it's struggled but it's been around for years don't call it the proact but it's been around for years um, this, these kind of movements, but the pro act right now got a lot of leverage from AB five. And there's a lot of people who sit on that fence of AB five, AB two, two, five, seven. If, you know, is it really the model to use? Because, you know, we've had to AB two, two, five, seven was because of there needed to be a hundred carve outs. Um, so the language there might not just have been right. Um, I, I think what they, what, you know, I think that, the way we discussed it last time, and maybe Willie, you can help me out with this, is with the Pro Act. Um, people, it, it, it's it is left to a little determination in reading it, but it's not as hard as California AB five in terms of the ABC test. I mean, this is it. Even I get a little confused still to this day when I read conflicting articles because it is in there, but it's it doesn't have to be. And we'll maybe we can tie the pieces together today when we get to uh, right to work states and things like that, um, because those are some of the hurdles that I face. But I know that you you were in favor of AB five, and on a lot of levels, I I you know I can see the point of it. I think it hurt a lot of um, true true non platform non on demand gig workers who have been around forever thirty years. I think that a lot of them got hurt in the crossfire, if not demolished. So, you know, some, some worries there, um, obviously because, you know, why did so much get hit, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you interject here, Willie, and see what, what you have to say about AB five before we go to proact. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, well, just, just to set the record though, um, I am for the, um, um, AB5 and as it relates to gig workers and gig workers only, app-based gig workers, I should say. Right. And the reason why I say that is because um, I want to make sure that it's clear um, that no one gets the impression that I'm for taking other people's jobs away. I mean, if it obviously is hurting other people's jobs and conversations that could be had or should have been had. But I, I think one of the important things to note about AB5 itself is that it was um, crafted after a... a, a um, a, a, a uh, uh, court ruling that was later codified by the or, or voted on or um, ruled on by the uh, Supreme Court of California, which basically codified it into uh, into the books. Um, AB five did, and so that's the angle that I understand that um, AB five took, um, and I, I understand that it affected other other uh, industries and other professions. Um, you know, and and these carve outs with two two five seven have since been occurring as. Um, each individual group has been able to leverage their own um, ability to 
to get the exemption. I don't think that should actually be necessary uh, where, you know, it should be an after afterthought. Okay, we, we really messed this up. We've got to go back and figure out how we carve these things out. That should never be the case. Before any law is crafted, um, conversations need to be had and understood as to what the unintended consequences are going to be and obviously try to curtail those as, as much as possible. Um, obviously, that wasn't the case here, and I think that's what really sets a lot of the mood for the AB5 um, thinking. And I just want to make sure that people understand that my position is for app-based gig workers. For us, um, gig companies have been um, leveraging the misclassification or ability to misclassify workers since their inception. Um, I would say Uber and Lyft since they first started back, what, in 2008 for Uber? 2009, I think it was. I don't remember the exact date. But um They've been doing so for a very long time. And that's what's really led us to this point in this, um, in, in this, this point in history as to where we're having these discussions as a result of how, um, the manipulation of the independent contractor clause has been used by, by entities like, um, Uber, Lyft, um, DoorDash, Shipped, and all the others. And so they continue to, Utilize it in a way that I think is inappropriate, and it does really lend itself to treating us more like employees than what they than what we actually are. And that raises all these host of questions that brings us to the issue of AB five in the Pro Act. Sure, um, and I even think that even though you're saying uh, just for uh, gig uh, app based gig, that um, honestly, I think that you kind of fight for everybody. So. Oddly, I think that you fight for the average gig worker too, who isn't in the um, app based. I know you don't, you don't like, you're not mobilized to do that. But I mean, I think you overall are fighting for them as well in many instances, not in everyone, but. I would say so. I'd say that's an accurate representation because obviously there's a lot of people that um, this affects and there's a lot of people's voices that are being left out. Um, and if I can be a vehicle for that, then by all means, I take that um, really, really seriously and want to make sure that at the end of the day, um, it's represented in a way that that is for workers and not not against us. Um, and that's what I always do in any position that I take. Personally, I want to make sure that I've evaluated it, fully understand it and have a reason behind why the fact that I support it um, because of the platform that, that I find myself on. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I get it. You know, I get, I get where a lot of these, um, come from. I get where a lot of the, the people who are mobilized come from. Um, you know, I think that one, I think the one thing that really, uh, was a strange, was a very strange thing is, and you know, this, that like, let's, let's, let's abuse Uber here for a minute. Um, for an example, like, um, Uber, Right, right before the vote on Prop 22 in last November, Uber uh, made sure that they were dubbed a technology company. Now, right. since they have dumped off their micromobility, they have dumped off their uh, their VTOL, their vertical takeoff and landing department, and they've dumped off right. their autonomous, not in parts, all of them. So right. they are back to truly just a rideshare company. And so, you know, they, I, I don't know what that did or didn't do for them, but I know that they were really trying to make a mark like, no, we're about tech. No, you really weren't. Um, it was more, it fell more into one of these SAAS type things, like a, like a you know, like a service middleman online. Um, but 
you know, I, I feel like they still could have the same fight by staying just a rideshare company, but it's those kind of moves where even if you sit on the side of wanting to be an independent contractor, like for me, I couldn't do rideshare or any of these unless I could have the flexibility to fully do what I want. Um, cause I have another gig that, you know, takes up a lot of my time. And so right. I need to be able to do this around that. <laughs> so that is, I mean, that's just a must. And with a lot of people I talk to, that's a must. And that's a, that's the big concern. I think, you know, um, I think that too many people maybe look at AB five and think, you know, well, look at, you know, that it wasn't just crafted perfectly or look at what it did. And they had to do all these carve outs. It's like, yeah, you know, maybe one thing positive that could be said about that is, well, they, you know, they, it was all not intended, obviously, and nothing like this had been done. And they were, they were carving out to try and keep up. <laughs> I mean, they were just like, you know, I think that they kind of got a little taken off guard with how much it affected. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. You know, at the end of the day, it's like who these are uncharted waters, you know, never in, in U.S. history have we had to contend with such rampant misclassification type issues. And um, now that we are, how, how do you um, laser focus that particular piece in order to address the problem but not affect um, unintended consequences or people, you know, the, on the turn of the sidelines. And I think that that's a very, um, something that needs to be pointed out and understood that these, 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 uh, th these companies, um, Uber, Lyft and, and so on and so forth, they've, they've taken advantage of the fact that this opportunity to misclassify workers was there. And they, like you said, they used that, Hey, we're a technology company when we all know that they, um, are, are, are more into the business of, of ride share than anything else. And as you mentioned, they've sold off, off those pieces of business because their VC capitalists have, um, been pressuring them to make a profit and turn profit. And those, those business, uh, those businesses did not produce any profit for them. They actually funneled billions of dollars off from the company or, or just basically wasted it. Some of the VC capitalists have actually come out, you know, straight out and said that they wasted it and threw it in the garbage. Um, and, you know, when you look at it from that perspective and see the pressure that's being applied on to companies like Uber to turn a profit, to, to, to focus more of its business on or its, its attention to Uber Eats and continue to, to exploit a gig work, a gig workforce, um, that cannot basically fight back for itself, um, in any legal capacity. We can fight back with our voices, but in a legal capacity, we don't really have much strength. And that is where the area of weaknesses that they're trying to exploit from the workforce come from and where I believe that we as gig workers need to make sure that we fully understand what our position is and more importantly, what we can do about it to change that position because we are in a very weak position to advocate for ourselves. Um, I'm out here fully exposing myself in, in a way that uh, a worker should never have to. We shouldn't have to uh, risk our livelihoods or get terminated or deactivated or whatever word you want to use for a firing. Um, but that's basically essentially what I'm risking. And if that happens to me, there is no recourse, um, no recourse at all. And that is a major problem. And so I think we need to fully understand um, what it is that got us here and um, what it is that we need to do about it. And I think these conversations that we're having are very invaluable to, to leading us in the right direction. Yeah, I, you know, I fully agree. And I think that enough people don't have these conversations. One side, one side note about like Uber and Lyft too. I got to say this. If you remember 
pre AB5 and Prop 22, they were in a race to the bottom for cutthroat pricing, both of them, right. not just Lyft yep. more than Uber. I mean, they were just, you know, each week one would go like a penny under and they were just racing to the bottom. And now here we are with no drivers, not enough drivers. And like five times the passengers, where it used to be the opposite, five times too many drivers, not enough passengers in most markets. Now we don't have enough drivers, and Uber is charging three times the rate that they used to, two to three times, depending on what market you're in, on average right now because of lack of drivers. However, those drivers aren't seeing any of that money um, and any extra money. They're just seeing what they normally would make. And Uber always had a problem about raising rates. I mean, for 10 years, they've been around and they said, we will not raise rates. Well, the pandemic showed something. You did. And it's not like you raised rates and are, are giving the drivers a bigger chunk so that you know, because, okay, here's our chance to raise some rates. It's post-pandemic or whatever. You're raising the rates and you're giving drivers the exact same as they would get if you didn't. So now it's not like you just raised it a dollar or two. You're tripling your money. And for 10 years, they didn't want to raise it a penny. You know, I'm really glad you brought up that point um, because the other day, um, about six days ago or so, I actually saw a one of the venture capitalists. I'm not going to name him. It's not worth mentioning, but it, it is a uh, Uber cap, um, venture capitalist. That, that obviously he has a very extreme invested interest in what's going on with Uber and, and how it basically goes, um, you know, towards profitability. Here, uh, he made a, a comment or a tweet, and and he basically said that um, in paying in paying these uh, rates that you're talking about, that this, these increased rates. They're actually helping the driver. Um, and that's the spin that these companies are using to try and get people to believe that somehow, some way, these, um, this increase in revenue is, is helping, is helping drivers. And it's not. Um, as you just mentioned, it's, it's actually the opposite. We're, we're still being treated the same. Um, and the company's trying to take more of a, more of that share because at the, ultimately we are the product, uh, right? I'm not a rideshare driver myself. Um, but in the space that I work in, I am the product. And just like, you know, rideshare drivers, um, you guys are the product for Uber and Lyft. I'm the product for Uber Eats. I'm back, I'm back on the Uber Eats platform. So I can say that I'm the product for Uber Eats. They're, they're not selling anything else other than me. Right. And, and they're profiting off of our, off of our, um, ability to provide this, this spectacular service, this convenient service for, for, for their customers. And, they're the ones that are monetizing and profiting off of that more so than what we are. And I think it's really important that we understand the fact that without us, these companies don't exist and we have much more power than what we actually think we do. It's just a matter of having these conversations. You know, I keep saying that and I, I'll keep harping on it too, because it's just really important. We hold that much leverage and that much power. Um, so we actually do need to have these conversations, keep talking about them. And just um, keep push, pushing the envelope because the drive to the bottom is never going to stop until we stop it. Well, and yeah, and well said. But I mean, also, you know, what I got to say there is that I, one thing that really this is a real bother here is that there's two there's two things going on with Uber, and then we'll move into these other things we didn't hit. But I, that I want to hit on because right now, exactly what you said. There, they raised the rates, and they had so much bad PR before the pandemic with rideshare and just, I mean, even just word of mouth 
you know, just people, it took, it took people a long, it took passengers, not, not drivers. It took passengers a long time to really realize drivers weren't being paid as well. I think that a lot of them just were like, no, we, we know you're paid well. You're just saying that for a bigger tip or whatever. I think a lot of people did have that mentality for years because in the beginning it was, it was a, you were raging by doing rideshare. So I think that people were very confused and I think that Uber's now using that as like free PR. Like, hey, look, we're now charging you 70 instead of 30 for the same ride we used to. And they're just not saying anything about it, thinking that people who were getting in on the no passengers are like, oh, I'm glad to hear you're paying your drivers better. No, that's not what we said. We're not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a PR thing, you know, and, and everything that they do, it's very clear. I mean, that's, a lot of the stuff that 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 we do at Gig Workers Collective is is a revolves around media and letting media know what's going actually going on and what's what what's what drivers. What I don't necessarily work on with with Uber and Lyft, but with um, like fast food delivery workers and what um, um, the delivery workers that work for Shift and Instacart. What we what we're experiencing, and we need to make sure that the media knows the actual truth because the spin that these companies spew is just unreal compared to what the reality on the ground is it's here that you have a, a a vested interested person right saying blatantly outright that you're helping drivers by paying more money for these for these fares and in reality that's not even close to the truth um you know when you when you get down to the tip customers are not going to want are not going to want a tip on a 50 60 dollar ride that you know normally they would have paid for 5 or 10 dollars and they're going to be like why am i going to tip you if you're already making you're, you're already making this much off of me so the educational part of educating the consumer is really important and so you bring up a really excellent point um, and it's something that goes on, on under the radar far too often yeah uber i mean at this point uber gets most of well, they don't have much good PR, but most of their any good PR they get seems to come from saying nothing and spending nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Right. Literally, I mean the P, the good PR they get just comes from from raising prices on people, which they said they would never do. You know, here we are, and it's prices are raised. Yeah, you know? I mean it's the same thing that they said when they passed Prop Twenty Two and so on and so forth. They, I mean, they're, they're the spin throughout the entire gig economy is just unreal. And, and you're right; in some instances, they don't have to say anything in order to get the good PR. Um, no, they're but, they're getting it. They're even getting it with uh, um, vaccinations right now. <laughs> yep, absolutely. They're get, they're they're getting a they're getting amazing PR with vaccinations right now, and they shouldn't be. And not only that, they're also getting government funds. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of negative on that on that side of things. And the whole thing is who brings that information out and who actually um, propels that to to the front, for, you know, to the forefront, so that people can actually see that. And it's people like you that bring this stuff to the table and 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 expose it. That's really important. So, I appreciate that so much. Yeah, um, I mean, I just you know, it's things like that that just drive me nuts. Like. You know, when the vaccine started, Uber gave away a few rides. Then they kind of pulled it. And I don't know if you saw this, but they allowed passengers to donate rides. <laughs> Did you see this? I mean, they yeah, I they didn't that. try it all too long because it was it was one of the dumbest ideas I think I've ever even heard from Uber. They've had a lot of classic <laughs> dumb ones, but honestly, I mean, like they were like, you can, and it was oh, it was Spike Lee. Spike Lee did the ad. And yeah, 
you know, I'm not putting it on him. I'm just saying that he was the one. There was an actual commercial out there, too, where he's like, hey, you know, got to get vaccinated. And uh, if you're taking an Uber, make sure that you donate another ride so that somebody you can't afford to can. And I was like, what is Uber doing? They should be donating all these rides. But that's when everybody was going for their vaccinations. Now we've hit that point where we're giving away 80% of the country's vaccinations because whoever's going to get one's already got it. We're not going to get much farther than this. Um, Because, I mean, vaccination sites are everywhere. If you haven't done it, whatever, my guess is you're just one of the people who won't, you know. I mean, sure, some people will. But, I mean, like, obviously, I would rather see the 80% too since if it's just going to go bad here, go out to other countries that need it. So, but I mean, like Uber waited till all that big flock came through and paid for their rides. And then once it was like where it is now, like a week or two ago, they were like, you know, we're going to, we're going to give you rides to vaccination sites. And it made it look like they've been doing it all along, which they haven't. Right. That's, that's just what they do. (laughs) And, you know, and it's great that you're calling it out because People don't call it out. They just let it ride and, and people make it seem like um, like it's not a big deal and they should be glorified, but they shouldn't. But um, at the end of the day, like the truth is, is very glaring and it speaks volumes and it just needs to be continued to be called out. There's not very much that surprises me that they 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 have done or would do. I mean, at this point, because they not only Uber, but all gig apps, um, all these gig companies try to make it seem like they're doing good, positive work for not only the workers, but also the community as a whole. And in reality, they've been, you know, in, in building empires of a business in, in the back end off the backs of, of workers and consumers, you know, and, and that's, that's where the problem comes in and people really need to continue to speak out. So I'm, I'm an independent contractor. I need to be able to keep that status. I love to be able to call my own shots. I love to be able to bid out work, work for a production company, do my laser work, do ride share, you know, when, when I've wanted to, or made my own schedule to know when I could make the most money. But, um, so moving back to the pro act, now that we're past AB five and prop 22. So the, the pro act is completely pat. I mean, it passed the house pretty much flying colors. I mean, it even had some people across the aisle come in and it went through, um, it's approaching the Senate. Um, but it's, I'm thinking, I I mean, I think it's pretty clear. My guess is, is it's going to get filibustered. Um, I don't know where that'll leave us. Uh, do you, before we move into exactly the, the ABC and the right to work States, do you have anything on that? Do you have any feel on this? Um, obviously I don't have any more additional information than what you have in regards to what's, what's, um, public record. Um, but what I will say is that, um, you know, at, at this point, the, there is some really tough discussions that need to be, that need to happen on the Hill in order for it to, to actually pass. Um, there, there are some, um, holdout senators that are, um, not wanting to have these discussions, but as Senator Joe Manchin um, showed, these discussions can be had, and um, they have to be had for the right reasons. So let me let me preface that. Um, so if they are holding out, like uh, in Arizona, there's two senators that are holding out for for from from actually uh, supporting it, uh, and they're Democratic senators actually, um, you know, and those two senators um, 
are are holding out for specific reasons. I mean, those 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 are the reasons that need to be discussed as to what it is that their concerns are, and kind of dive into it and see if we can't get get the uh, the actual bill um, tweaked or changed, however, whatever needs to happen. But um, what the problem that, that we end up have, having and, and politicians end up having is the fact that they uh, take these positions, their strong stance positions, and then don't want to deviate because it shows weakness on their side. Um, I think it's a, it shows tremendous strength to be able to say, let's sit down and have discussions and figure out what it is that we need to do to make this thing go forward. Um, even if you don't support it, there, there's a lot of different things that can go into it that would make it more palatable and, aside from that, beneficial to workers as a whole. Um, so let's get into those discussions and see what we can figure out. Yeah. Um, so, uh, okay. Then, yeah, let's, let's talk. So let's talk about, uh, cause I know we did before, but in case you didn't listen to the last session that we had, um, Willie and I, you know, real quickly, the ABC test is a three prong test. Um, I will put it in the, in the linear notes for today's show, uh, the three prongs again, cause, uh, B is the prong. The middle prong is the one that most people seem to have trouble with. Um, but the way it is in the pro act, it's, and it's still, I mean, I know we talked about this before, but it's still confusing to me. I think it's confusing to even some of our elected officials who are voting on it. Um, I would agree with that. You know, that, you know, what, what is this? It's not, it's not very clearly stated over and over so that we're very clear here. It's a little bit, there's a, there's a few too many shades of gray in my mind that it's like, why can't you just clean this language up to meet everybody's needs instead of leaving it like this and trying to force feed it to people? Well, I think some of that answer has to actually come into do with things that are going to be above my ability to answer, and it becomes in, it comes into labor law and labor, like legal issues as to how do you not step on the toes of other of other existing laws um, that are in the books. Um, but one thing that I want to make sure that that, that I note here because I think um, it's very important is that um, the ABC test, while it does establish uh, the difference between an independent contractor and employee. Um, like it did in, in the AB5 um, model or legislation, it, it, under the PRO Act itself, it, it doesn't do it on a wide scale or like a, a, a large swath like AB5 did. So that's what separates the PRO Act from AB5. The PRO Act itself, the ABC prong test within the PRO Act is basically encapsulated within the Act itself. It doesn't actually turn uh, an independent contractor into an employee overnight. Um, it wouldn't even do that in even, even if it, if it passed or if your particular app decided to turn into a union type, um, environment, you wouldn't be a, still a, an employee. You'd still be classified as an independent contractor for IRS purposes and all other laws. And I think that that's where some of the rub comes is that some people believe that once the PRO Act passes, right, that overnight everybody will be turned into an employee. And that's simply not the case. And so I think it's really important to have that discussion. People understand that. Um, and if there's some confusion around that, discuss why, you know, why, why it is that people believe that and dive into the actual details of that. Yeah, I, I think that one reason, I mean, one reason I see, and I know you see this too, it's something we talked about the last time and you've even said it today, is that you got to be willing to talk and understand people's perspective. Um, because I'll see somebody post something 
and it's straight, it's a, let's say it's, you know, it's straight text out of the pro act and they're saying, see what it'll do to us. And then in the same string or thread of tweets or whatever social media platform it's on, there'll be no, it doesn't say that it says this and they're just barking. They're not giving any information as to why, but it does show a clear divide that people are reading the, I mean, the same piece 180 degrees different from each other. Right. And then you, and then you're the, the answer is right in the middle, right? The truth is always um, on both sides of the coin and it's not, you're not going to find it by just listening to your side or, or the other side. You have to actually sit down, not only read it, not only understand it, but more than anything else, understand the perspective uh, that somebody else is coming at, at it with. And being able to have those discussions seems to be very difficult on social media platforms because I think I've been in those discussions myself, right? And I'll be told that I'm lying and every I can provide all the evidence in the world. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you're open to have this discussion and, and, and see if we can't get this a little bit moved a little bit further for your audience and anyone else who, who dares to or cares to listen. Exactly. And that's why I'm hoping both side, both sides listen. I think last time we definitely had both sides listening. In fact, I know we did because I know people on both sides Good. who Good. I spoke to, to and who, who appreciated our conversation too, or who said the same thing that we kind of were shooting for when we did it. Like, you know, it was, it was nice because I didn't have to tune it out at any points. So like I heard that kind of sentiment a few times, like you guys were not harping on each other. You weren't, you were listening to each other. You were talking about the things that the other said, and it was actually able to listen to it. It wasn't just yelling from one side or the other or arguing. And I think that that's all I really see about this. You know, like you and I talk, but most people don't. Most people just are on their side and they just don't want to hear the other side. You know, it's, yeah. I think yeah, one, I, one, one thing I've learned is that, you know, when you really want to have a discussion about something and you, obviously we all have our feelings on everything, but it's best to just, you know, say going into like the discussion saying, okay, well let's pretend like I don't know anything <laughs> because most likely, you know, I mean, in the big picture, I talk about so many different things. I don't know near as much as people who, only are working on the pro act in their life for the past two years. But, you know, I mean, I, I know enough, I do enough research, but, um, I just, I just want to see people understand other people's sides without thinking that because of the way they think and because of some things they've read, that that is how it is. Cause a lot of times that's not how it is. Right. Yep. You're absolutely right. And it, it's very difficult to to be able to, to get in those spaces or in that group to have these conversations, um, particularly when it comes to people's livelihood. Um, so, I, I you know, and, and going back a little bit to, to the actual issue that we were about to discuss, um, the, the, um, the most important thing or the most biggest, the largest thing that I run into when I'm talking to folks is that what you just described just a few minutes ago, which is, um, on one, on one portion of the thread, people will say one thing and then the, uh, on another, they'll say something totally completely different, but they won't point to the actual reasoning behind it. They'll just point to the text and you can read a story, uh, and pull out different contexts of information than an, another reader would. Um, but the most important thing to do is understand that that context is coming in the full scope of the entire book. 
Um, and in this case, the entire bill. Um, and the entire bill does encapsulate the, the AB, ABC test to, um, to, the, uh, to, to the, uh, the actual bill itself. It does restrain it. Um, there, there, in no, there is no text in, in the PRO Act that says the ABC test applies outside, but there is text in the PRO Act that says um, that it is constrained to the NLRB purposes only. Um, so I think it's really important to, to highlight that, make that, um, a point. And, uh, uh, if that is a point of contention with folks, then please, by all means, um, write in or, or send your questions or, or point, point to where, and actually in the PRO Act, it says that it's going to turn people into, um, uh, employees overnight. Um, you know, that's, I think that's the most important thing, um, because it doesn't do that. And I can stand here today with 100% certainty and say that because I've not only researched it and read it myself, but I've actually talked to people and listened to people and on both sides, and, and we've come to the same conclusion. And so um, I've also talked to experts. I've talked to lawyers. I've talked to a whole bunch of different people, and it's not just my viewpoint. It's, it's what the actual text says. So uh, if it's a point of contention, then I understand it. I respect it. Let's have that discussion. But I don't see it. I haven't seen it, and neither have the people that I've, that I've actually spoken with that are on both sides of this, of this issue. Right. I think a lot of times we need to see something play out and see how many lawyers get involved <laughs> before we really know, because, you know, there's there's lawyers just waiting for something like this to go through on both sides or they don't care sides. They just want to make money. But let's see if we if we can't bring around something that I don't even think we got to last time. I really wanted to talk about we did have I had a lot of people ask me was that in the right to work states. OK, so in a perfect world. If the PRO Act did just let you choose, do you want to be an IC or do you want to be an employee? And there was a way that that worked that seamlessly in all 50 states that that might take away from a, from a lot of people's hesitancy to be a little more open minded. But I know that that's a big hang up for a lot of people. Is that right to work states? Is it what it's 29, 29 right to work states? Is it 29 or 27? 27, maybe. Yeah. I thought okay. yeah, um, 27. Whatever it is, it's, you know, okay. more than half of the states. <laughs> okay. Well, I live in one that is a right to work state. I live in Texas and right. I've known this type of love life my whole life, of my work, my entire work life, my entire career. Um, so I understand why people are, are so protective of the right to work and I can respect that 100% for sure. Um, but I think that to attack the the the, um, the pro act simply on on that basis um, overlooks a certain a, a lot actually um, of of why it's really important for us to have the ability to have a choice um, in right to work states. If if there's an issue and I get fired, it's basically me against my employer by myself. Okay, and that's that's irrespective of if I want to have a communal um, process in order for me to. Um, subjugate the, the employer into um, uh, considering otherwise. Um, you know, it's basically against me and my, against my employer. And they can fire me for any reason at any time. I can also conversely work for that employer if I want to or not. Um, I think that by giving up so many different rights um, is really right to work, really something that we want to have um, throughout the country. And the answer is probably not. It's probably good for in some areas, and it's probably not good in others. Um, so figuring out what it is that um, 
is the middle ground there. It's, it's very difficult and above my pay grade. But um, what I can do or what I can say is that as a citizen that works in a right to work state, um, it's a very lonely feeling. And I don't have very many protections here. Um, and if something happens and I get fired, which, you know, can happen at any moment um, at, for any time because right to work, that's what allows people, uh, these companies to do. Um, it, it leaves you in a position where it's you against your, your employer. And if your employer is someone like Amazon or if your employer is someone like Uber, I mean, you're, <laughs> you know, what, what kind of resources or fight can you put up there? Oh, we've seen that for years, the arbitrations that never happen and all that. Um, right. And the fact that you've had to do it one-on-one -on -one and then they just defer it. And even when you, if you, even if you, even if when you did get into a court in the past, you'd lose anyway. Um, so it was, you know, it was just such a mess, but I guess, you know, that you kind of hit on something in there that I think, like, I almost think that the pro act should negate the right to work states. It, I, I believe it actually does. Um, it actually supersedes not or says notwithstanding. That's the actual language that it uses. Notwithstanding right to work law, which means, in essence, that the PRO Act itself would negate um, the right to work um, law in a particular state like Texas. And it would allow uh, for the potential of unionization if people chose in that workspace or that unit, that bargaining unit, to come together and unionize. Um, it would allow them to do so. Whereas it is now, um, it's almost impossible to unionize in a right to work state. Right. I mean, and that's, well, that's the other thing though. What about the states that maybe, you know, see, that's where, that's where I would get upset because if, if this, if the PRO Act is how I believe it should be and how it might be for all I know, we don't, I don't fully know, you know, you got to see things actually play out, but you know, if, if, if I'm in a state and I want to be an independent contractor, I do not want to be an employee. I don't want to join a union because I have three independent contractor gigs and they're all different from each other. So it's going to be an issue. Um, I don't want to have to go on the majority vote of if we're going to have a union or not. I agree with you. Um, and I think, you know, this is a personal decision out. for every single person. Yeah, no, I, you know what, that's, you and I have no disagreement on that 100%. I think every person should have 100% a right to decide whether or not they want to be in a union or not. Um, if you don't want to be in a union, then you should have that absolute power and authority over your own, um, you know, choosing of, 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 of alliance or, 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 you know, if you joined a union or not. Um, and I think this kind of played itself out in New York here recently, and I don't know if you heard about it or were a part of it or you know that it kind of reached your audience or not but yeah um, we talked about it i think it, what you're it, gonna hit on yeah um it, it was a very heated topic in in labor circles for sure and um i got thrusted right into the middle of it because um one of our organizers our our co-founder um was being attacked by a union president um and i'm not gonna name names i don't like doing that but um the, the situation basically came where it was a forced unionization for um, the entire state um, that would benefit two unions, okay? Um, two specific unions that, that are really in, one of them in my viewpoint is not even a union. It's a, actually a, um, uh, a front group for Uber, if you ask me. And that's, um, that, that particular group was, was destined to make um, 
about $750,000 a day in New York City alone. That's the estimated amount that, um, that I was told or that, you know, that basically was published in regards to that. Um, and that's off the back of, of, of all the workers. That's off the back of all the consumers for every single ride on every single day basis, $750,000 um, a day. Not a month, not a year, a day. Um, and that's only for New York City alone. And, um, and there was a, it was forced unionization that gave up the right to um, strike. It gave up the right to basically it was a toothless, toothless um, deal. And it would allow these two unions to force uh, membership by every single driver in the state of New York. That doesn't mean that every single person would have to pay dues. Um, it, it could if they eventually wanted to, if these two unions wanted to charge dues later, then they could, but it didn't force it right off the bat. That type of deal, that type of structure that forces people to do something, that is something I'm very much against. Yeah, I think yes. at the end of the day, you should be able to um, lead your own campaigns, uh, have your own conversations with your coworkers, and have these discussions and say, yeah, I want to be a part of this union, or you know what, you guys go ahead. Go ahead and sort out your own little contract. Be happy with your own little contract. And then on my side, guess what? I don't want to be a part of that. So I'm just going to continue doing my own thing. And if I see later on that you guys are uh, having more prosperity than I, then maybe I'll come and join you. But until then, don't, don't count me as a, as a member. And I think that's really important that that, that's, that type of uh, arrangement or that type of law um, should be enacted where people are protected from forced unionization. I don't think that a forced, um, I mean, that's, what, that's why people are so against unions. Right. And that's why people distrust yeah. unions because it seems like a power grab, like they're going to force you to do stuff. Um, and that's not what I advocate for. What I advocate for is pe allowing people the right to unionize if they so choose. If they choose not to, then cool, fine. Um, right. Let's figure out another another, another arrangement. Um, but, you know, but at, at the same time, too, let's not go back to the Jimmy Hoffa days and let the unions know who who names and addresses of people who aren't involved in the union. Yeah. I mean, the pressure on both sides, um, cause that's the, really, the if, if you, if you make your choice, it's none of their business. Right. No, absolutely. I agree. And, and also on the same token, um, the companies can't be forcing workers into, um, these captive audiences meetings where they force them to, um, digest, um, non-union propaganda. So it's, it's twofold. It's, it's both sides of the coin, you know? And I think that their interest, when I say their, the unions, the established unions, I should say, established unions, um, established labor, established labor, that um, they view this from the old perspective, like what you just said, the Jimmy Hoffa era. Um, that type of style of unionization is, is not what um, a lot of gig workers are looking at. I mean, I, I talk to gig workers throughout the entire country, and yep. the majority of gig workers that I talk to um, think that we should have the right to a, like a democratic process if, if they want to unionize. Um, and if they don't, then like, like we're having this conversation right now, you're saying that you're, you don't want to, and you know what, you're, you're entitled to that. If that's what you want to do, um, then not be a part of the union or not be a part of a collective group then cool. That that's the way it should be. Um, but to say it's an all or none in both sides, is where the, the the problem or the rub comes, and, and we run into like um, you know at least heated debates where people can't move past their ideological beliefs. I fully agree with that. In fact, you know, 
honestly, for like, let, let me give an example. So like for me, let's say, and I, I'm just going to say three, let's say I have three independent contractor gigs. Let's say one of them is app based. The other two are their own things. They're all night and day different. If one thing starts slumping or not paying enough or whatever, I move my energy over to the other things. So I want to be an independent contractor. I don't want to be part of a union, but there are people who just work for Uber only put in 60, 70 hours a week. And if they get hurt, if they, you know, this, that, or the other, maybe they do want to be part of the union. And so I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to say it that way to listeners, like, you know, maybe don't, if you're, if you're a union lover or a union hater, if you're a union hater, don't, don't, don't just hate on them. You know, I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that this, everything in this world lacks right now is transparency. And I think that the unions need to be very transparent in what they're going to be about for you. Agree. 100%. And on, on that front too, I wanted to note one other important thing, because I think you, you just hit on something that's really, really important. And that's that, uh, especially for those people that are against unions or against unionization, um, you know, please also look at the other side of this, right? So if you just say what and go and tell the, the company line, which is what Uber and Lyft would love for you to do, then you'll get things like Prop 22 in, instilled or put into law, which basically do allow the gig companies to treat you like an employee, um, but pay you as an, an, as an independent contractor and wash your hands of you if something happens to you. Um, if something happens to you, it's all on you and you have to take care of it under prop 22. Um, the one thing that I will say about that though, is that the more control that they extend over you, the, the greater you're going to feel constraint and you're going to, you're going to realize really quickly that you're not able to multi-app because you can get deactivated or fired. If you're doing multiple jobs, like they, every single day, um, Uber, Uber Eats, um, DoorDash and all those other companies, they'll send us multiple offers, pick up in multiple locations, Right. Pick up hot food here at McDonald's and on the way at Chick-fil-A, stop at, stop there and pick up something for another customer. Um, that's actually illegal for you to do it on your own. And that's a level of control that people don't realize that they're giving up when they start toting the company line and saying, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm for Prop 22 because that's going to keep me from being, um, to have to address this unionization type thing. So please do look at it further than just saying, okay, I'm going to go with what the company says. Dive into those issues, understand those issues, and understand what kind of controls you're actually giving up and what kind of power you're giving these companies. Because typically speaking, when a company spends over $200 million to pass a law, right, right. Um, then, then that means that they're going to get something of significant benefit for them. Um, so what is it that, it that we got that benefited us? And, and I can tell you, and talking to gig workers in California, not very much. And they and they um, put put out a two hundred fifty million dollar campaign to bring drivers back that didn't do anything. Exactly. <laughs> I don't even know. I I don't even know where that money went. It was exactly. to bring That's drivers exactly. back post pandemic. It's like where'd that money go? Like, that is exactly the point that I'm, I'm trying to make. They claim these outrageous things and they claim that these are outrageous benefits for us. And at the end of the day, we don't have anything to show for it. Um, and I think that speaks louder than, than anything that you and I can possibly say. Please dive into these things deeper than just the outs, outskirts of the arguments or the positions that you have personally. Look into what it is that these companies' agenda is and, and figure out if it's something that is really going to benefit workers overall, not just yourself, but overall as a whole. Um, and, I, and I get it, right? So at the end of the day, 
we're Americans, right? We, we want to provide for ourselves, fend for ourselves, and, and, and everything else. But at the end of the day, we're, we're society as well. And, and society, in a society, we end up having to bear costs that are not necessarily on our shoulders, um, you know, as a principal person, um, not only directly onto you. You have to take care of the roads. You have to take care of the hospitals. You have to take care of the infrastructure of the schools and so on and so forth. Um, so there is a societal cost that's associated with all of this. So when you're making your decisions and looking at these things, look at it from all perspectives, not just your own personal viewpoints. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I, I think one thing that everybody, maybe one thing everybody should hopefully take from today is get on the same side about if you have any windows or any opportunity to end work to right, uh, uh, right to work states, you know, get on the same page with people on the other side of how you feel on that one thing. Cause I mean, I, I honestly don't, I, I, it's just, it's crazy to me that, 51% saying that they want a union makes it so the 49 have to have it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. People shouldn't be forced into anything. Um, I mean, we're, we are the reason these companies exist, plain and simple, right? Oh, yeah. And, and, and we should have every right to say what it is that benefits us in the process um, because we are such a valuable asset, not only to them, but to ourselves. And so we don't need to sell ourselves short. Um, and if, and if we have a voice and we have a position that we believe in, um, we should have a right to exercise it. Even if you don't agree with what I have to say, um, please respect my right to say it. Um, I just, just equally, I respect your right to say it as well. Absolutely. So hopefully people are listening, and uh, or I know they are. Um, maybe not today, but when we drop the podcast tomorrow, you know, it'll get a lot of listens. So hopefully you out there are hearing that, you know, William and I are having this conversation. It doesn't always have to be just, you know, know, know what you think you know and go barrel off into your corner. It's, I know it's hard. It's hard for me sometimes. I mean, and I've been, pra- I've been literally practicing this, but open up your minds to what the other side's saying, and you almost have to, throw everything you think out the window when you're listening it, to yeah. truly listen. Yeah. To truly listen, you have to put yourself in somebody else's shoes for sure. And yeah. when you can do that, you, you start to understand why the other side believes what they believe. Um, and you'll, you'll be able to um, better digest the information that's being, that's being given because that's where the power is, is in the information. Even if it's not the information that you want to hear, there's a lot of things that I don't want to hear that all, all the time that I have to digest and listen to and, and, and wade through even the hate speech that I get, you know, and, and I listen to it. I'm like, okay, so why is this person so angry? Um, but it's only then that we can actually form a reasonable conversation with those people and, and, and with each other and, and just understand that we're all trying to better our own human existence and our own human conditions. And so let's just work together to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, that is a a really good place to leave it. And uh, hopefully, you know, you know, let's just follow it. But I mean, maybe hopefully we can even maybe have a third conversation on the podcast when the timing seems appropriate. Um, Yeah. Um, But so uh, before I let you go and thank you for coming on today again, um, make sure to check everybody make sure to check out gigworkerscollective.org. Um, that's where you'll find kind of, uh, your, that's your resource for what, uh, Willie's doing and, uh, and, 
I was, you know, I've read through the website and I think it's a, it's a good, it gives you a good understanding of, of where they're coming from. And Willie, I know you have some events this week. Um, plug, you should plug away. We yeah, got a lot of Texas listeners. So <laughs> I appreciate it for sure. Uh, so uh, we've been traveling, I've been traveling the state with uh, human rights watch. Um, we actually uh, visited Dallas college station in Houston about two weeks ago. Um, met with a lot of gig workers. They uh, received a lot of invaluable in-person feedback, about 56 or 57 hours worth, probably even more of in-person interviews. Um, we're going to be doing the same thing in San Antonio and Austin um, starting tomorrow, actually. And um, we are, are going to be very flexible on being able to meet with people. So if anyone is interested, please uh, send me a DM via Twitter. If you don't mind, I'd like to put my Twitter handle out there. Um, it's Willie at uh, Willie three five seven um, at Willie three five seven. That shows how much I am on Twitter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll put I'll put Willie's I'll put your link right up. I'll put the link to the website and to your Twitter. But is there is there a page on the website or something that has the uh, um that has the schedule? Not on the website itself. No, um, our, we we're run by volunteers, so our our updating is not as swift as I would like it to be. Um, so, but uh, but we we you can definitely connect with me through Twitter, and I will make well, sure that I can. Connect so what? But, so also, what are the exact dates? The exact dates are June eighth, ninth, and tenth for San Antonio, and the eleventh for Austin. Okay, and then so let's say they don't go on. They they're not. Let's say they're not on Twitter, but they're listening to this. They're doing some um, gig work, and uh, how would they find you if they're in Austin? I can send you the link to where I'm having people sign up, and it actually has the location. The reason why we're not giving the actual address. There you go. Um, that's all. I, that's all I needed. Just yeah. something that where I can put it and say, "Hey, click here." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought about it while while I was like fumbling through that, and I was like, "What can I?" If, but that's you know we have something where people can pick out a time and everything um so i'll send okay. you those links okay i wasn't thinking about it when you asked i wasn't ready for that yeah but, no um, i just you know some people might i mean i know most people are on some sort of social <laughs> and we post on the you know the big ones but um you know it's i don't know some, some people, people aren't. aren't some yeah, people no, aren't I, yeah i hear you so I'll, I'll i'll send you the links um it's to one for austin one for for San Antonio. Um, but the, I know that Human Rights Watch doesn't want to give out the actual address um, because they're afraid that the gig companies are going to send spies. <laughs> believe it or oh, not, I they see. have before. Yeah, no, believe it or not, they have before. So It doesn't shock me at all. So Yeah, I've had them follow me before, too, so it's kind of crazy. Um, very, very, <laughs> pro- very protective in that sense, but I'll, I'll send you the links, and it has all the information for people to find out. I just wasn't thinking about it, and I apologize about fumbling through that. Oh no worries. Uh we'll we'll get it fixed and put up there and uh that way everybody can find it anyway. So um again, thanks Willie. Uh, I think these conversations are great. Thank you for coming on today. All right, thank you. Let me know when you need me again. All right, well I think Willie and I did a did a pretty decent job covering that in a shall I call it a nonpartisan way. Um no, because politics are too dirty and nasty. I don't want to affiliate us with that. But I think that uh, you know, if you listen to this or you, you gave the podcast this week and listen, um, hopefully there was some things in there that you're able to take in yourself and, and evaluate yourself. Uh, that said, next week we have uh, Harry Campbell, the rideshare guy, and we will be talking about the future of rideshare.
Make sure you join us next week here on The Rodeo. Peace.